Well, this morning, it's lovely to see people. It's lovely to see some faces I haven't seen for a while as well, which is great. And that's really appropriate because we're talking <coughs> this morning about fellowship. <clears throat> and this is the second of our series looking at Acts and the early church, and in particular, those verses that Paul has just read to us at the end of chapter 2, which tell us that the new believers who've responded to Peter's message at Pentecost devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So we're going back to the basics of what it means to be church together. Last week, Mike helped us to think about what it means to be devoted to the apostles' teaching and practice, the centrality of the Bible in our lives, and how we, like the apostles, need to depend on the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives if what we read and learn is going to have any kind of impact. This week we're thinking about what it means to be devoted to fellowship or the fellowship. Remember that when we talk about devoted, we're talking of an ongoing, steadfast and determined commitment, not one that varies with how we're feeling or what the weather outside is like. I wonder what comes to mind when you hear the word fellowship or the fellowship. Um, over supper a couple of nights ago, I asked my family what they thought, and Matt, my 19-year-old son, who isn't here, um, so I can't heap abuse on him for this, um, said that it was, uh, his response was that it was like the fellowship of the ring. Caroline didn't think that dwarfs and hobbits was what we were talking about, uh, to which Matt's response was, well, what about the elves then? When that we met with a negative response, he proceeded to quote a couple of lines from the very start of the first film of the trilogy, when Gandalf the wizard turns up unannounced at Bilbo Baggins' door on the eve of his birthday party, and on knocking gets this shouted response, no thank you, we don't want any more visitors, well-wishers or distant relations. And Gandalf says in his deep, uh, soft tones, and what about very old friends? Is fellowship akin to friendship? At some level, yes. But I doubt you talk about going down the pub for some fellowship after work. The word is most commonly used in church circles. And I'm old enough to have been part of a church youth group which was called the Young People's Fellowship. Bit of a mouthful. Fortunately, we abbreviated it to YPF. That and other groups such as the Women's Fellowship or the Men's Fellowship, those labels seem quite dated now. So what do we mean when we talk about fellowship? What does it mean to be devoted to the fellowship? What does it mean for the early church? And what does it mean for us today? The Greek word that Luke uses here in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, for fellowship is koinonia. Here in Acts is the first time that it's used in the New Testament and it means so much more than its simple translation as fellowship, which is a word we use far too lightly in church today. The variety of uses in the New Testament reveals that koinonia involves a deeper level of fellowship than, in, <coughs> than an informal social gathering. Excuse me, I'm going to cough. <coughs> it most commonly means fellowship, communion, participation, sharing. The word means an intimate sharing of oneself with another, almost akin to marriage. Fellowship is a more surface level friendly relationship, while koinonia is full intimate unity. 
You really see what this means when you look at verses 45 and 46. Yes, Koinonia is spending time together, learning from the apostles, breaking bread, praying and worshipping, but it is also real, practical, lived-out faith in action. Cheers, Pete. Thank you. These people that we read about are willing to sell property and possessions to help each other out. Please note that they voluntarily shared with each other. They weren't required to share in order to become believers. Nevertheless, their example shows how the gospel can rearrange everything. Our economics, our relationships and our attachments. These communal arrangements were not meant to model economics for every Christian community, but still it shows the radical changes brought about by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Some people choose to find the roots of socialism or communism in this passage. Uh, The key phrase dispelling that notion is who had need. Liquidating possessions and sharing the proceeds was based on the needs of the moment. It was spontaneous wasn't legislated. We're told that they broke bread in their homes in verse 46, so they still clearly had their homes. And the tense of both verbs in verse 45, sold and give, is the imperfect tense, which would indicate that the selling and giving were occasional. So should we imitate the early Christians this way? Generally, no. Although some may be called to do so, but we're expected to be generous with what we have to help others in need. We know that the early church wasn't perfect. You only have to read the story of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5 and Paul's letter to the Corinthians addressing many many of the issues that they had to see just that. Where we should imitate them is on the way in which those early believers are a powerful testimony of what is possible through trust in Jesus and a reliance on the power of the Holy Spirit. So why fellowship? Simplistically, because of the fellowship that we enjoy with God through his son Jesus, who died on the cross for you and for me. The heart of the gospel is that Jesus is the path to eternal life, and that if we repent and believe, we should follow him and obey his commands. And he tells us in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 39, that these commands are first to love God and second to love our neighbours as ourselves. When we love others as ourselves, it's a joining, a uniting, a partnership. It says in effect that we're all in this together. Or as the Apostle Paul used as an analogy, we're all part of the same body. John writes in his first letter these words, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So our fellowship, our koinonia, with one another, is centred in and based on our common fellowship with the Father and his Son, Jesus We are to spend time with each other, care for each other, be willing to sacrifice for each other, give generously to each other and share a common life 
all in response to Jesus doing these things for us. It's not the I church, but the we church. The Bible says little about independence and everything about community. Now this is all very well, <clears throat> but actually some people are really quite difficult to get along with. We need to understand that fellowship is about valuing all, having a common purpose and a reliance on the transforming power of the Holy Spirit at work in all of us. Paul's imagery of the church as the body of Christ emphasises the importance and interdependence of each part. He writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the eye cannot see, say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. And he goes on to say, there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. By entering into a new relationship with Christ, we're in a new relationship with all those who also profess Christ as Lord. To return to my probably poor and rather weak analogy of the Fellowship of the Ring, we see in that the coming together of a very disparate band of individuals, dwarf, elf, hobbits, men and a wizard, all with very different motivations and different reasons for joining, with different gifts, but with a single purpose. Our fellowship is similar. We may be very different people, but we're joined together by a common purpose, to love God and to serve him. And in doing so, we'll see ourselves growing together. <coughs> I, <coughs> I recognise that fellowship has not been easy over the last 15 months. And there's a growing sense of frustration at the slow easing of restrictions. It's been tough not being able to meet after church for coffee or meet on other occasions. It's limited our fellowship. I wonder which relationships have survived the pandemic and which have withered. Maybe now's a good time to start re-establishing some of those links. I do think, and you would expect me to say this, that small groups or some kind of supportive network have played and will continue to play a key role in re-establishing and deepening our fellowship with one another. It's our observation that the people who seem to have come through the pandemic well in our community, in our church family, are those who've been part of a small group or supportive network. If you're not in a group at the moment, then please consider joining us on Wednesday evening for our devoted series. When we're spending time worshipping together, looking at God's word together and sharing together in small groups, all with the express purpose of growing in our love for God and growing together at the same time. At 7.30 on a Wednesday evening for this week and the following four or five weeks, a great opportunity to do together. And if you can't join that, then please do look at other ways you can be part of this exciting challenge and looking at what it means to be devoted. Maybe it's just a case of getting hold of the teaching notes which are on our website and sitting down with someone over a cup of coffee 
and sharing together as you look at the questions and the prompts and the challenges within them. A powerful example of what fellowship or koinonia should look like can be found if you do a study of the phrase one another in the Bible. You'll find that scripture commands us to do the following. Commands us to be devoted to one another. To honour one another. To live in harmony with one another. To accept one another. To serve one another in love. To be kind and compassionate to one another. To admonish one another. To encourage one another. To spur one another on toward love and good deeds. To offer hospitality. And to love one another. If you want to see where those come in the Bible, I'd be very happy to send that to you. I'm not going to go through all three of all, all of the list, but let me pick just three of them to say a little bit more about. First thing I want to say something a little bit more about is accepting one another, acceptance. The idea of fellowship is fine when we're talking about people who we have much in common with and who we like. But the Bible includes stories where Jesus meets characters like Zacchaeus, who frankly no one wanted to be friends with where Jesus brings that person into fellowship with God and with the people around him. It's easy for us to have fellowship and be friends with people we like, but Jesus encourages also to have fellowship with people we don't like as much. We need to ask for God's help to start such friendships and to keep them going. Often, I have found, it is in getting to know people better and finding more uh, out about their story when I begin to understand them better and accept them. I wonder who that might be for you. And then serve one another. Koinonia can mean participating together toward a common goal. What better way to do that than joining one of the teams that seek to serve others in our church family? Sorry, another shameless plug. But actually the opportunity to serve together is a huge opportunity to build fellowship, to grow together as part of our church family. Our youth didn't run on Friday and youth church isn't running today. That's because they're operating at the very edge of the number of people who they need to make things happen. And sadly two or three people weren't available for a variety of reasons. So they had to cancel youth on Friday night and youth church today. Could you be part of the answer to stop that happening again? Whether you're here with us in church or watching online at home. Likewise, our sound team, visual team and studio teams all need people to join them. Working together builds community. I don't know what your experience of working in a team is, but I can think of times when I've been part of a team, whether on a beach mission, whether in a drama team, or whether our staff team here at Highfield were actually working together and being part of a common goal and purpose has been hugely part of building that community and building fellowship with one another. And hugely rewarding for me personally. So acceptance, service, and finally, encouragement. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, encourage one another and build each other up. 
And then in Hebrews, encourage one another daily. Surely it means sharing with one another what God is doing in our lives. I have enjoyed this week reading some of the comments and posts in the Facebook group that we set up for Devoted. Finding how people are engaging with the Bible, what they're learning and how God is speaking to them and challenging them. Surely fellowship's about doing this. I don't think we do enough of it. I love hearing how God is working in other people's lives, how he's answered prayer, how he's overruled in particularly difficult situations and how he's encouraged others. If you haven't joined the Facebook group and if it's something that you're comfortable with joining, please do. Please engage with it and comment and post things. What a great opportunity to hear from one another and to be encouraged. Finally, I want to say something about the cost of fellowship. You may think that's a strange thing to say, but bear with me. Uh, many of you know my wife Caroline's a doctor, and for her particular area of medicine as a physician, she's required to practice, she's required to take and pass an exam called the MRCP. It stands for a member of the Royal College of Physicians. In God's kingdom, there is no entrance exam or fee. Entry is open to all, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, and whether you think you're worthy or not. If you haven't yet joined the kingdom and have decided to follow Jesus as Saviour and Lord, then please this morning think about doing that. It's not difficult. In fact, it's as simple as ABC. A. Admit your need for Jesus, that you can't do things on your own. And that you, like everybody else here, have failed to meet God's standard. That's what we call sin. B. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died upon the cross and rose again. And in so doing, paid the price for all sin and hurt in our lives so that we might have a relationship with God. And C. Commit your life to Jesus as your Lord and let him have ownership from now on. If that's something that you can do this morning and pray this morning uh, and do so, please come and tell me. I'd love to hear that after our service. Some of the physicians, like Caroline, who are members of the Royal College of Physicians, are later invited to become a fellow of the Royal College of Physicians. It's invitation only, but funnily enough, once you become a fellow, you're required to pay an increased subscription fee but apparently with increased benefits. I want to suggest to you that committing to fellowship with one another brings enormous benefits. Not least a mutual dependency and support. But there is a cost. It could be monetary, like for the Christians in Acts 2. It's more likely to be a cost of our time but it most certainly would be a cost in terms of giving of ourselves and opening ourselves up to others. It's about being willing to be vulnerable and go beyond the superficial. That can be costly, but the benefits far outweigh the costs as we develop or further develop meaningful, caring and committed relationships as we grow together in loving God and seeking his kingdom 
for ourselves and others. Amen.